0: Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk.
1: Enjoy. So, this week we're starting a new series called Life of a Disciple. Now, certainly in our trackers groups... We've been looking at how the disciples reacted. Is it? Oh, oh, it's on. Right, where was I? Thankfully, thankfully, I've got notes. And thankfully, so this is a bit embarrassing. I printed them out in large print by mistake. So it looks like I've got a massive wad of notes, but they're just very large. Anyway, we looked at how some of the disciples reacted and went from fear and doubt learning that Jesus was alive and joy and excitement and power. And they started to realise exactly who Jesus was and the job that he had given them to do. And I bet at that point they thought, wish I had been listening when Jesus did all that teaching. I need it now. And it's the same for us. We are called to be Jesus' disciples here and now too. So we're going to take a look back at his teaching. And today we're starting with prayer. So I thought I would start with a prayer. So let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your teaching. Thank you that your disciples were transformed um, and And we can be transformed too. And Lord, I pray now that we will hear your voice comforting us or challenging us and calling us deeper with you, Lord. Amen. Okay, now, I always think on first reading, this passage looks quite deceptively simple. Ask, and you will be given. Seek, and you will find. But we all know from our own prayer lives that it's not that simple. We need to understand what Jesus means in the context of the Sermon on the Mount, which this is at the end of, and what he means by the kingdom of God, and his wider teaching on prayer. So I thought for the next three hours, we'd just unpack all of, no, (laughs) right, okay, where was I? Okay, so actually, I thought, I'm gonna do this in two halves, and I'm gonna focus on the second part of the reading first, because Jesus gives us some really good visual aids. We have bread, stone, fish, and snake. Now, you should all have activity packs. Well, those of a certain age should. I'm sorry, Kit, you haven't got one. No, I know, sorry, Kit. No, never mind. Um, You should have some um, Play-Doh in it, yes, great, and in the talk this morning, you could challenge yourself to see if you can make some bread, a stone, a fish, and a snake. You probably can't make them all at once because there's only a little bit in there, but halfway through the talk, I'll, um, I'll give you an opportunity to hold up what you've made. Okay, now I need four people, doesn't have to be children, it can be anybody who wants, to come and hold something. Isabel, your hand was first up. Yes, Rebecca, your hand was second up. Yes, Kane, your hand was third up. And yes, Raphael, your hand was fourth up. I'm really sorry, I haven't got any more jobs to do, but if I do. Oh, you're holding your Play Doh up. Perfect. Right, okay, I'm gonna have to. Will you hold the microphone for a minute? Sure. To hold bread. Can you hold my, my bread roll? You don't have any gluten intolerances or anything, do you? That's fine. Okay. Okay, the next person needs to hold a stone. Now I went out in my garden this morning. And um, this isn't really a proper stone. It's kind of concrete, really. Uh, Would you like to hold that, Raphael? I can see you backing away from me. Thank you. Um, The next person gets to hold a fish. Now, who wants to hold the fish? Go on, then. Brilliant, because it's not just any fish. Hold this.
0: Oh, goodness, in a Tupperware.
1: It's a waitrose fish. (laughs) but I get to wear the gloves. No, well, I I thought I'd hold it up first and then you can hold it in the dish. Is that okay? When I went to the counter, they said, which one do you want? I was like, I don't mind. It's not that smelly actually. Right, so. Thank you. Right, and that leaves Rebecca with the snake. Good choice, Rebecca. (laughs) There we go. Now, what Jesus is is teaching us here is, is pretty obvious and straightforward. He's saying, if your child asks you for bread, you are not going to give him a stone. If your child asks you for, let's get this right, a fish you're not going to give him or her a snake. And Jesus' point is that even us, as sinful, flawed, imperfect humans, we know how to answer our kids' questions with the right gift. So imagine how much more we can trust God. Our perfect, good, trustworthy, strong God who calls himself our Heavenly Father. How much more can we trust him to hear us and give us good gifts? Now there's an implication here that we should know God's character. Throughout the Bible we have statements that tell us who God is and what he is like. God knows us. We've got all these verses in the Bible that tell us how he knows us deep inside. He loves us passionately. He's faithful. He keeps his promises. He is with us always. Because we know his character is good, we can ask him. We can trust him with the stuff that's on our hearts. And we can trust him to give us the right thing, what we need. Now, there's a further layer to this illustration that I have to confess I found out on Google, that apparently giving someone a snake when they ask for a fish is not as mean as it sounds, because apparently in those days it was quite normal to eat snake. But as we know, in Jewish law, in Leviticus, snakes were unclean and shouldn't be eaten. So there's a spiritual implication here as well that God will not give us anything that's going to be spiritually harmful for us. We can trust in our Father in heaven to provide for our spiritual needs too. I think this is so important to our faith. This is so vital that we trust and we have a knowledge of who God is. Because just as, you know, earthly parents don't give their children everything they ask for when they ask for it, we need to be able to trust God when he says no or not yet or gives us something different that we don't even want. We have to be able to cling on to God's promises and character when it makes no sense. When we're disappointed. When we're disillusioned. When we're tempted to give up. And we might never know why. We might never get answers. And that's one of the hardest things, I think, about our faith. We might never know what the spiritual battle is that's going on behind the scenes in the heavenly realms. We have to hold on to, even if that's all we can do, We have to hold on to the goodness of God. I'm gonna throw one more thing into the mix. Let's not forget we've got an enemy who seeks to destroy, 1 Peter 5, 8. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Satan does not want us to believe that God is good. One of his most effective weapons is to get us to doubt the goodness of God. We see this right at the very beginning in Genesis, where Satan, who is a serpent, whispers to Eve's heart, did God really say? He's implying that God's lying, that God doesn't have good plans for Eve and Adam. He twists the truth and got Eve to doubt the goodness of God's will for her, for Adam, and ultimately mankind. So the challenge for us here, we're coming to the end of part one, is to know to whom we are praying. Do we know in our hearts that God is a good, good father? Do we believe that God gives good gifts to us? You guys are doing really well holding your stuff. Just a few minutes more. In a moment, we're going to respond to in our seats and ponder these questions as the band plays over us. Can I urge you to be honest with God? He knows our hearts. And we've got this um, brilliant model in uh, Mark 9, 24, where somebody says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. He understands where we're all a little bit mixed up. He meets us lovingly where we are. In the parable of the prodigal son, God the father sees his son a long way off and was filled with compassion, ran to him, threw his arms around him, so you can be honest with God. Now children, you may want to talk to the people around you as your prayer about good things that you have in your life. And there might even be a space on your activity sheet, right, get it out, for you to write or draw some of things, those things down. So I'm gonna hand over to the bands while we spend time just thinking about those questions. There is a slide, but I don't know if it's if it's there, Prem. It says, um, "Do we know in our hearts that God is a good, good Father? Do we believe that God gives good gifts to us? So let's respond to those questions for a few minutes. Thank you. Thank you. Before we take a peek at the first part of the passage, has anyone made bread, stone, fish, or snake that they want to hold up? Hold up, just hold it up so I can see. Oh, I can see a yellow snake there. Oh, something green there. That's a, Oh, a blue. Great, I was going to say blob. Glad I didn't say anything offensive. Great, stone, bread. I can't lip read <laughs> beautiful fish snake oh dear this is all going horribly wrong wow is that a snake that is amazing it's got a coil in it as well wow right sorry if I've missed oh yes love oh very good yes very inventive great we should have to do them for adults next time as well won't we right we're going to take a peek at Jesus saying Um, commanding us to ask, seek, knock. Now, I said at the beginning, it seems simple. Now, when I was a child, I took this verse quite seriously, and I decided that I was going to test it out one night. I lay in bed and I thought, right, this is going to be like Christmas. Okay, God, what do I want? And I didn't have many toys, you know, 1970s and all that, so uh, I shut my eyes, and I listed, and I imagined, and I visualized all the things that I would like, and I imagined them piled up at the end of my bed. I prayed with faith, because I knew that was a really key um, ingredient for this. Shut my eyes, and boy, I believed. I couldn't feel them on my feet. And I opened my eyes, and there were no toys there. Oh, I know. So what, just, what does Jesus mean here? What does he mean when he says, ask and it shall be given to you? Well, I wonder if it's actually about the word it. Ask and it shall be given to you. What is it? Or as one commentary said, what is your it? What is the it you are asking for? Now, we know from Jesus' teaching and life that Jesus isn't talking about money, or power, or fame, or good looks, or good health, a great family, a big house. But it's always good for us to remind ourselves that that's not what it's about. We've been hearing what the it is through the Sermon on the Mount series that we've just had. And we culminated in Simon Gilbo's talk. Don't know if you heard it. Urge you to listen to it on um a podcast or whatever, if you haven't. I made the mistake of listening to it while I was driving over the downs last week. Don't drive and listen to Simon Gilbo. He makes a lot of noises and he talks really fast and he's talking about the bombs that are being dropped on our society. The bomb of apathy, (laughs) materialism, (laughs) (laughs) social media, (laughs) and I'm driving in my cargo like this quite clear from what Jesus says that it is treasure in heaven, not things on earth. It is seeking after righteousness, mercy, purity of heart, being a peacemaker, standing with the persecuted. It's all in there. We are asked and we are told to ask for God's will in our lives, so we can be salt and light for Him. What a challenge. Are those really the sort of things I am asking for more of in my life? But Jesus doesn't leave us feeling inadequate. <laughs> Phew. <laughs> he shows us how to do it simply through prayer. Now, this isn't a suggestion. Jesus is commanding us to make prayer a way of life and just to make us all feel a bit better I don't think that it was a problem that I asked Jesus for all those toys when I was a kid I didn't get them but as just as parents love to hear their children babble stuff to them God loves to hear what's on our hearts he knows what we're thinking anyway so it's not a shock for him he wants us to talk to him all the time he urges us to approach the throne of grace in confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us when we need it most, Hebrews. I didn't get that stuff, but I grew in my relationship with Jesus. I started to work out what our relationship was about. Now, I need Dan again and another volunteer for another ask, seek, knock illustration. Yes, would you like to come up? Thank you. Um, It's not going to be as exciting as the first one. Just say that now. Manage expectations. Brilliant. Now, I don't know your name. What's your name? Oh, I do know your name. Is it Charlotte? Yes, because we made hot cross buns together, didn't we? Brilliant. Now, Charlotte, this is Dan. Now, if I said Charlotte... You need to ask Dan what his favourite football team is. Would you be able to do that? Would you be able to ask Dan what his favourite football team is? Do you want to just ask him? Okay, don't tell me the answer yet. Brilliant. So it was really easy for Charlotte to ask Dan, wasn't it? Because he was standing right next to her. Now, I don't want you to go away, but I do want Dan to go away. Sorry, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You stay here next to me. Now, if I wanted you to ask that question to Dan, but Dan wasn't standing right next to you, but he was somewhere in the building, you would have to go and seek him, wouldn't you? You'd have to go and look for him. And you'd have to look for him until you found him and then ask him the question, can you actually see where he is? Yeah, so he's not hiding very well, is he? No, it's a good thing it's not hide and seek. Okay, right, now don't go anywhere yet. Stay there. Imagine if Dan, you wanted to ask him that very important question, and he was somewhere in the building, and you looked everywhere, you seeked around, and then you went round the back, and you went up the really steep stairs, the increasingly steep stairs up to the top office. Let me tell you, they get steeper and longer the further you go, and nobody gets to the top without going (sighs) Certainly not me. Anyway, imagine you get to the top, and you see Dan in a room, and the door's closed, but there's a bit of glass in it. You can see him in there. You're going to knock at the door, aren't you? You're going to keep knocking till Dan answers. And then you can ask him the question. Can you remember what the answer was? Can you remember what his favourite football team was? Should we call him back to ask him again? Dan, can you come back and tell us what you f- We can't remember. And we know this is really important. What's your favourite football team, Dan? Crystal Palace, Crystal Palace, great. Thank you so much, Charlotte. Let's give Charlotte a clap. (laughs) Okay, now that was a bit of a tenuous example, but Jesus is showing us we need to have an ongoing dogged persistence in prayer. Not just to stop, we need to ask, seek, knock. And that is so not what we are used to in our 21st century instant gratification lifestyles. We are so outraged if we have to wait for something. Or maybe that's just me. You can ask the staff team about the time my pan didn't turn up. I've not been allowed to forget that. We are being urged to wrestle in prayer, to search and to knock on the doors of heaven now, I'm going to close soon, but before I close, I didn't think any talk would be complete without referring to the original Greek in the passage, <laughs> I know. And <laughs> um, So apparently, in the Greek language, there are two kinds of imperatives, two types of commands. The first is called a definite command, like throw the ball or read the book. The second and the one that is used here, all Greek scholars will know this, is a command for continuous action. So keep throwing the ball, keep on reading the book. So our reading should say, keep on asking and it will be given to you. Keep on seeking and you will find it. Keep On knocking and the door will be open to you. Praying persistently is what we do when we desperately desire God's will in our lives. God said to Israel through Jeremiah, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I'm going to finish with a quotation. Do we want the Spirit's peace? We must pray for it. Do we want God's wisdom? We must ask. Do we want divine love to love the unlovely? We must cry out for it. Are we crying out, are we hungry in prayer for God? What are you asking God for? What do you need to seek him about? Do you feel as if you have been knocking on the door for a very long time? I've got my door. See, this is where it's good being friends with Thea, because on Thursday lunchtime, you say, Thea, have you got a door? And Thea goes, no, but I can make you one. So here we are. Hang on. I'm just going to do a little bit of manoeuvring. Right. I'm going to put the door there. Now, we're going to respond with prayer. And you can pray on your own in your heads. Or you can pray with the people around you. People you're maybe you've come with. Pray for what you're asking God for, what you're seeking God for, what you are knocking on that door of heaven for. It could be something going on in the world. It could be something in your heart. And if you want to write something down, there should be sticky notes um, at either end of the aisles and pens or pencils at either end of the aisles. If you want to write something on a sticky note that you are persistently praying for and seeking God for, and you want to come and stick it on this fine door here as an act of demonstrating to God how serious you are about praying for that, then please do. If it's something that you don't really want to write out for everybody to read, then you could just write one word or your name, or you could draw a picture So children, if there's something you are asking God for, why not draw a picture on a sticky note and come and stick it on the door? We'll spend some time doing that, and then John and Rachel are going to come up and pull our prayers together. So let's spend some time in prayer now.